Welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since our last episode, possibly more. You, uh, you'll have to pardon me for not knowing the exact duration, but I am Ram yet again. And with me is Jimmy, hosting as always. Hello, Jimmy. Long time no talk. Hi, Ram. I hope everyone's safe. Long time no talk. Great to be back. Yep. And our two guests today are, well, uh, the very first episode of this podcast had one of the guests here, and he is none other than David Pastor, the the big daddy of We Ain't Got No History. <laughs> Hi, David. Long time. How you guys doing? And we've got Hazmat, of course, who's been on here a couple of times already. One of our one of our favorite guests. Hi, Haz. What's up, guys? Yeah, like Jimmy said, I hope everyone's safe out there. And if uh, P's is Big Daddy, what does that make me? The little girl running around from Bioshock? <laughs> if, if you like. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can, we, we'll flesh that out later. But yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. Don't, don't let it get to your head, though. Anyway. <laughs> I never do. <laughs> okay. So, Jimmy, uh, here we are. It's the start of May when the regular season should have been completing, nearing its conclusion in in an alternate universe. But here we are. We don't know when football is going to start. And, yeah, we, we literally have no idea. So we have some other things that we can talk about because, as we know, transfer transfer rumors never die. Silly season never sleeps, not even during... A global pandemic, apparently. So, <laughs> where do you, where would you like to get started? Well, I mean, as you said, uh, football has ceased for now. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some new developments in that uh, regard soon. Um, though it doesn't have to be too soon. You know, nothing has to be rushed. But there's still been lots of talking points, which is kind of crazy because the rumor mill just doesn't ever shut up if we're honest uh there have been a few more outgoing rumors recently than incoming which is kind of a breath of fresh air uh, because it does show that something is going on that we're looking into uh changing parts of the squad that are needing are in need of changes um arguably uh, some of the names of course being kepa uh william um, pedro and Several others, if I'm not mistaken, like Timo Bakayoko, who's been more on the fringes in the in the lone army. Um, but one, of course, of the primary names where you know, okay, this isn't the kind of player that you'd want to have being on that list. At least for me, I know I'm not. Uh, I'm not the one. Uh, I'm not alone in that regard. Uh, thinking that Kepa should stay, and that's the guy, Kepa Arzabalaga. Been a very uh, controversial figure of late. Uh, we've had loads of rumors with Onana, Henderson, Donnarumma, um, particularly Onana, of course, that hasn't really been stopping coming in. And we have now the decision to make, do we want to stay with Kepa? Because recently he said he would like to stay. He has a good relationship with Lampard, Frank Lampard. That is what do we make of this situation? Is it realistic to think Kepa might really be replaced? Or what What kind of scenario could come from all this, from all these rumours? 
David, of course, uh -huh. as the head of the uh, blog, the chief editor, um, you will <laughs> be reading a lot about this uh, probably every other day. What do you make of the situation? What can we expect to have for this? To how will this unfold? I mean, if anybody's reading reading my writing for any length of time, they'll know that I generally don't place much uh, trust in any of these rumors, and I generally tend to think that uh, rumors and a lot of stories in football media are, are blown out of way out of proportion. So, just based on that, I I think expecting anything drastic to happen with Kepa is is fairly unrealistic, even if he was playing much worse than he is or he has been uh, just the financials involved in, in the situation make it basically big make him basically unmovable we only have to look back to say the Torres situation that dragged on for many many years and I would I, I'm not not sure I'd be saying anything outrageous if I said that Torres was relatively performing a lot worse than Kepa's ever been I'm sure others will disagree with that <laughs> but I think Kepa's struggles have been overblown. And um, yeah, expecting expecting us to be able to uh, get rid of uh, a football player who we spent $80 million on and are spending X amount per week, tied him to like a seven-year contract, which is basically the longest I've ever heard Chelsea uh, give any footballer. I wasn't even sure that's allowed in, in British uh, labor laws, but apparently it is. So, um, you know, trying to trying to move that uh, financial package to any other team is is not a not an easy easy feasible situation. Even if we uh, ignore the whole pandemic economic downturn that's about to happen, so that's just the financials. And overall, I think uh, his performances have been good. Obviously. He hasn't lived up to being the world's most expensive goalkeeper, especially when you compare it to Allison, who went for just a few million less. So in terms of that, there's room for improvement, but there's room for improvement anywhere in the team. And if we improve the defense and the midfield, uh, the goalkeeping will improve as well. Hmm. That, that's a very uh, balanced <laughs> way of looking. I, I right. totally agree with you. Uh, now, I know that Hazmat, <laughs> on the other hand, isn't too fond of Kepa. Would that? Would this no, be? See that they love to put words in my mouth, Jimmy. He does not that <laughs> I'm not fond of. I'm not fond of the topic. But uh, let me just say that P's covered that very comprehensively. So, hmm. I I'll take the coach's perspective. I think that Lamps is more than willing to be patient with Kepa, and I don't think he's as close to booting him out of the club if it were even feasible that as some of the papers would have you think that being said i do think that he would like some competition in the squad some actual competition not a 30 however old willie caballero how love dare him you to death. but love no i love him to death <laughs> but you know he's only the oldest player in the premier league father time is undefeated <laughs> so from that perspective i think he would like to have someone who could push kepa and we've seen it at other clubs where they have one keeper for the league, another one plays cup in European competition, which Chelsea obviously has aspirations and ambitions to be playing every season in. So I think if there are two more evenly talented keepers, or at least perception-wise, it will be easier to 
balance that workload because at Chelsea the last several years going back for a long time and so Czech uh since Czech and Courtois were there it's been one clear starting keeper who plays throughout any struggles ups and downs and then a backup keeper who doesn't really get as much any playing time at all unless it's you know league cup and even then as you go further in the competition as we make finals you start to get that trend back to the the starting keeper for the more important matches even in the competitions that the backups do get to play in off chance anyway so long-winded answer aside i think lamps is not ready to kick kepa to the curb though he would like uh some competition for him someone to push him or you know balance the workload with him yeah how how realistic is that really exactly. to to get somebody uh of of similar quality even like even if we say kappa is not the greatest which he isn't but can can we like okay say uh onana is on his level or similar you know how realistic is it to convince that guy to come here when he probably has several other offers from teams that will give him the number one job you know it's, of course it's, yeah it's it's a, it's a tough uh it's a tough sell in in football to say have you have timeshare and and goal you know you might be able to pull it off in like ice hockey or something but and i've i've never seen it really work in, in football and even the courtois and czech situation you know that was i think that was held together by the magic of Mourinho for a year and uh that would that would that was pretty extraordinary i think to have czech agree to be the backup for a year oh of course exactly. and i did i didn't mean that that um particular partnership was what i was talking about mm-hmm. with lamp ones i was just saying the it was the last time i feel like chelsea had two keep, two top keepers around the mm-hmm. same level as opposed to a strict yeah. hierarchy yeah. i think but we tried how, with begovic but it wasn't he wasn't quite up to the task how often yeah, do you see this in the premier league you know how how often do you see this in the premier league that you have really two equally talented and uh safe hands in in one team you know if you look at liverpool they have allison i mean you have <laughs> manchester united they have they have david de gea uh even man city they have edison and the backup goalkeepers you know claudio brava over the years it's always been kind of a problem but one you had Ramsdale and mark travers is a pretty good combination who <laughs> Ooh, that's the question <laughs> Well, I think I think we're actually a little spoiled because in recent Chelsea history we've been really good in this because we had yeah. Kudicini for a long time and he was the, the best backup in the country by a, by a you know country mile really and uh, so it's a bit of a a tough task to live up to since then so yeah it's it's not it's not an easy not an easy uh, arrangement to achieve. That's true. And the thing is, what also hasn't necessarily already been addressed uh, is the cost, because we're in a part uh, in a time right now where we don't really know how the transfer market will um, change because of this pandemic. Of course, it will change. One wouldn't expect huge amounts of money to be flying around from all sides as we have been uh, as we've come accustomed to over the years. And I mean, if you think, I, I, as you said, David, it's very, it's better not to trust most reports <laughs> from from the new papers nowadays. But you know, there were, of course, those 
those uh, quotes where someone said that only about three clubs in the Premier League will actually be able to splash the cash this season. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. That's, I mean, is it realistic thinking that of all the ones we have been linked to, I think Onana randomly is the cheapest at 30, 35 or something. That's still quite a bit of cash for a reserve goalkeeper who'd be playing for a handful of games. Or, of course, the other way around, Kepa, who'd be then maybe just a cup. cup uh, it just makes not a lot of sense. There's, there's a reason that the Courtois check season only happened for like one season. Mm. It's not possible to have a keeper of Kepa's quality and one of a similar level, uh, such as Onana. You, you can't sustain that for more than one season. At, at most, you can say... I mean, rotating goalkeepers is something that I, I feel is probably only feasible on football manager or something. It's, it literally literally never happens like in the Premier League uh, unless... I mean, you, I, I'm not seeing many managers who choose to rotate based on merit except on, in very rare situations. So if, if, if hypothetically that were to happen, then it, it would probably be like... One of them would end up emerging as the clear favorite uh, for first choice goalkeeper. That's probably well, how Lampard yeah, would put if, it. If you're if you're willing to spend money on the position, you're spending it with the uh, possibility or the expectation that whoever you're buying is going to challenge for the number one position, and and you're basically okay with having sunk eighty million into Kepa. You're okay with that yeah. now going to waste practically. Yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the season, if Onana upstages Kepa, he's he's never going to stay around for the second season. So well, you're, yeah. you're 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 definitely going to we, we say never. We say never. He says, "Look at my bank account." You know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, what, what if seen it happen before? Well, yeah, but the, but then if if a team like PSG comes in for comes in for him, and says you're you're not playing that much at Chelsea, we can obviously mm. offer you. A comparable yeah, we'll, wage because we'll, we'll, we'll get his big boy back. What his name was, Bolka. Bolka, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hmm. it's it's if if you're talking of a player of that level, like Kepa's level, then I mean, you're you're always going to have the usual suspects. I mean, top teams around other European leagues sniffing around if he doesn't if he doesn't get the required play, playing time. At least we but, hope I mean, so, because otherwise we made a really <laughs> bad decision. Well, you got exactly. That's actually what I was about to say. You guys make good points. It is a very difficult needle to thread, but that also goes back to poor player recruitment or questionable in this in this sense. I feel like the jury's still out on Kepa. There's just not enough of a sample size to really truly claim bust or not. You know, it's just it's a bit too soon. Yeah. But um, so you know that goes back to the poor business handlings. Like the story came out. Regarding Allison, it's hmm. uh, they were mentioning that all signs or that Chelsea mistake. and Allison were close to an agreement. Well, the one, yeah, one <laughs> more than several, but one we're talking about now. And then all of a sudden, the move fell apart for unknown reasons. So there's, so if it is a obviously a difficult situation, you guys say impossible, but it also comes down to Kepa not holding up and not living up to. At least, obviously, you're never going to live up to how much it was for a goalkeeper, because, and it was a release clause anyway. But at least in the sense that you wouldn't have goalkeeper limbo so soon into his Chelsea career when he has signed a long-term deal. I mean, in fairness, like his first year 
was good enough that we barely ever talked about his transfer fee. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, one bad season. I'm not really sure it should be even remotely close to being written off, especially at a position like a goalkeeper. You know, people always remember that De Gea struggled mightily when he first came. And Kepa didn't really have those struggles. Now he has him in a little sophomore slump, but he'll get over it. True. And it goes back to what you were saying that a lot of it, a lot of a goalkeeper's play is dependent on the players in front of him. Right. And defense is still an area where Chelsea needs to sort that out as well. So it, obviously, football is fluid. Football is symbiosis of the different positions and parts on the field. So improving the defense will also help improve uh, Kepa's, like we saw in Sari's first season say what you will about you know all the criticisms that people have gone over but he was very structurally sound defensively and as well as in build-up and I feel like those two aspects really brought out the best qualities of Kepa and so far under Lampard it, the, it's been a bit haphazard at times especially defensively so it's not really a surprise that we're seeing those struggles from him in a new tactical setup and where things are kind of being chopped and changed so frequently Mm. Uh, well, that, they're all good points, and I just thought it would be good to also address this because uh, if one reads the comment sections in uh, on the mis- blog, mistake. It, <laughs> well, go on. Um, it's always kind of divided. Uh, there are those that are very much in favour of selling him. There are the others that are trying to give him a second chance. I am very much in favour of that, as I've heard from you guys as well, which. I think it's the right decision because we've just got other areas of need. And one of them has been actually our attack. Now, attacking-wise, the rumors haven't been that good. We spoke last time about Coutinho, uh, dark chapter. <laughs> I mean, I know some have said he wouldn't be that bad of a purchase, but I think with all this pandemic stuff going on, that's never going to happen anyway. But... Coming to outgoing players, there have been two names which are pretty much it's just going to happen. You know, it's been unofficially confirmed, basically, William, uh, that this is just not going to happen anymore with his contract extension. Of course, maybe some something will have developed. You never know, but it does seem as if he will be leaving. And uh, the other is Mishi Bashwai, who Christoph Terror more or less confirmed. Yeah. Yeah, it's over. He, he's gone. And that is probably for the best for all parties. Um, staying with William first. Um, so it has been reported that he will be probably joining a rival because he wants to stay in London. So this is basically what we've had with Peter Cech, uh, with David Luiz, and now with William. What are the chances that he'll be going to... The, to Arsenal as well. You never know. I mean, would we be sad about this? Can we uh, take it? Uh, will we just strengthen them and weaken us? You know, I, William has his haters, but thinking about this objectively, what what do you guys think? Um, Let me just say, it would be the most Mourinho thing ever to bring <laughs> in and displace Stephen Bergvine. Like, that would be the most Mourinho thing ever. I'll, I'll, um, we'll take we'll take Bergwijn in return if he wants exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about time he. It's about time he serves Chelsea with some of these, yeah. you know, outgoing transfer failings. We'll, we'll, but we'll scratch um, his back. You know? It's fine. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, William were to join Spurs. I was actually discussing it with friends of mine back in January. 
you know, just simply going off the fact that his contract's up in the summer. There's obviously differences of opinion between him and the Chelsea board. I don't know where he gets off thinking that he deserves over two years, which is what Chelsea were (laughs) reportedly offering. Two years is already pushing it, and he's not willing to accept it. So for me, Vaya con Dios, it, it doesn't really matter to me where he ends up. I'm not surprised he wants to stay in London. Obviously, he's been rooted there. He has the restaurant with Babo, with uh, David Luiz. And, um, you know, he's very used to living in London, I'm sure. So not surprised, and I'm not really, you know, nonplussed by it, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, there are not, they're not many that make the jump from Chelsea to Spurs, but, uh, you know, if anybody could do it, it would be William. I mean, he almost joined them, right? So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the well, they ultimate, ultimate poetic yeah. ending to that story would be to actually join Spurs. I think the people in the stadium at Sanford Bridge every other week, they'll be very, very disappointed that they can no longer sing that one song that kind of... I'm sure, I'm sure they've every... come up with some sort of modification to it. <laughs> Probably, that yeah. would be appropriate or not appropriate, as it were. <laughs> um, Ram, what, what, what do you think about this? Do, do you think it will strengthen... Let's, let's... I mean, okay, maybe Spurs, but, I mean, the rumours have been more pointing towards Arsenal. Do you think it would strengthen them and weaken us? Arsenal, really? <laughs> um, uh, that, that, that's a bit random. I, I can understand why Jose Mourinho would want him, but yeah, that, it's, it, that would be quite unfortunate for Steven Bergwijn. But uh, I, I wouldn't... I, I'd prefer he goes elsewhere, to be honest. I mean, I don't understand why Barcelona just doesn't come back in. If, if they've been so desperate as to offer scores of millions for him in the past with six months left on his deal, then I, I wish they'd just come in and swoop down like, I don't know, like... A hope? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was I, I was looking for Phoenix, but then they probably don't swoop, do they? They're too, they're too elegant. So, uh, yeah, I, I, wish, I wish Barcelona would come to our rescue because I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really be that threatened by playing against William, to be honest, next season onwards. Because... Then why does it, it matter it's, where he goes? It, it's it, it's annoying. Um, it, it's it's one of those things that could could come back and bite you, but then I'm, I'm not going to rate it as such a horrible loss. Kind of kind of like David Luiz going to Arsenal. I mean... So it, is, it, 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 is it more of an emotional thing? Like a fan, oh no, no, fandom no, type no, thing? No, okay. I mean... Tears of no, happiness, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm 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 just fine if he goes. It's just that he's he. I I don't think he's the type of player who's gonna or spearhead them to to a Premier League title or something. So I'm I'm not worried about that in that sense. He's probably not gonna change the game for them. It's just, um, yeah, probably probably personal annoyance if he comes on and scores against us at Stamford Bridge <laughs> or something like like Lampard did and like like David Luiz probably probably will do at some point in the future because that's just the way things are. Oh, but, I think yeah. David Luiz already repaid his transfer fee. <laughs> or is, how does that work? Redoubled his transfer fee? Um, his, his little yes. red card there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. But yeah, that's, yeah, I, it, essentially, I, I don't think William does all that much for them that Steven Bergwijn does right now, actually, to be, well, to be very, yeah, very but that's that's not how Jose thinks. I was, just, I was just reading a story about how he wanted to sign uh, Pavel Nedved when he was at Inter. Oh and, my God. Uh, Nedved just retired from Juventus. 
<laughs> he was trying to convince him to join their arch rivals. Wow. So I mean, we know we know that Jose likes his veterans, and he does. He does. And yeah. Willian, in that regard, would be pretty much a perfect perfect player for some some squad to fill out. I agree. Uh, veteran backup. I am all for Tottenham clogging up their squad with yet another experienced player that Jose Mourinho brings in at the expense of someone who's young, and remaining a financial burden in two years' time. I'm I'm all good with that. Yeah, but would William want that? You know, that's the question. Would William want to be a veteran backup? Because he hasn't I mean, really accepted see, that role here. I'm, I'm, not, right. I'm not saying he's going to be a backup. He'd probably go there and he'd play for like yeah, one, one and a half seasons. And then he'll begin deteriorating. But then the problem is he, he'd probably be on a healthy four-year deal with good wages. And then Mourinho will obviously not be playing youngsters because that's how it works. Well, Mourinho won't and, be there in three years either. <laughs> oh, <be> man. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, the, the, and then the next manager will come in and he'll have the right. headache of moving yep. William out. And their fans will be frustrated because he's um, eating up a lot of their wage bill and we will have fun watching it. <laughs> so all good. I'm, 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 not, I'm not averse to it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> that, in all that, right. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, William. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I know that the well, David. I I always had the feeling as if you you're, a, you're very fond of William. Am, am I wrong in that assertion? I like all Chelsea players. Ah, that's such Except a the ones I don't. That's such a David. Such diplomatic. a diplomatic thing to say. God <laughs> damn it! Yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, I think uh, <laughs> losing William would hurt us in the short term, probably, just because. I mean, this season, take take this season, for example, we've had all the two young players who were supposed to lead us in, in, in to success this year, uh, Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi, have both been injured for a fair, at least half the season at, at the end. And when they haven't been injured, they've been affected by injury and things like that. So, you know, having, having William and Pedro in the squad, as it turns out, basically saved our season, if you look at it that way, because... Had we gone completely full youth uh, forward, then we weren't able to sign players. To be fair, no, but we still could have gotten rid of them. But I'm, the point is, you know, what's if if we get rid of these two players, yeah, we bring in Zayek, okay, but we still are in a similar situation where we could end up having uh, to rely on on veterans. So in that sense, losing somebody like William could conceivably weaken you in the near near future. He's he's a quality player, regardless of what people may think of him. He's definitely Premier League quality, Premier League proven, and he's a winner. You know that's that's not necessarily something you can find every every day everywhere. But we can develop it, and if he leaves, that re- leaves the uh, room open for somebody to develop into that role. So it's a uh, if we're building for the. For for the long term, we're rebuilding a team in Lampard's image, so to say, doing this youth revolution. You know, it's it's natural that we have to get rid of the veterans, even if they are uh, one of the more often used players in a season. You know, that's it's it's how it goes. If you've been watching uh, Last Dance documentary with Jordan and the the Bulls final season, you know that's it's a similar idea that they were starting there where a, a team of veterans and highly paid veterans uh the front office was thinking that it's going to be start 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 to be time to rebuild and you know it's a, it's a tough decision 
to be proactive like that, but you have to yeah, at some point you have to move on. Not saying it's no. the same thing, but you know, similar ideas. That's yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> has I, I don't want to put words into your mouth again, so I, I'm not going to say you're on on the fence or you're in favor of him staying or not. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts on William? You, you referring to me, Jimmy? Has Matt? Yeah, I, I don't think there's another has here. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't hear you say has. Um, I, as you probably could have told from my initial comments on it, uh, I've, I have no problem with William leaving. I feel like, or Pedro for that matter, but uh, it also depends on who's coming in. Obviously, you need to ba- uh, offset the players leaving with talent coming in. Um, I feel like uh, William has kind of, you know. He's he's done his done his job and it's time to move on. There are, you know, and looking at some of the targets, obviously Sancho is the the unicorn that everyone in the world would like to have in their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the other targets, I, I trust Lamps's and Check's judgment um, on talent evaluation. So from from that standpoint, I, I have faith in the replacement that they'll bring in and. Uh, you know, William is uh he can like I said, vaya con Dios. Pedro, I'd be interested in maybe keeping him around as a veteran backup if um you know we can't really get someone else in or you know, whatever the case may be. But it seems like he so might be have, even more open to that too. Yeah, exactly. I he's mean, talking. He's he's used to he's used to that type of role when he was with Barcelona. You know, I, I have a feeling he as long as the team is doing well and he has no problem playing that role. Whereas, obviously, as you guys mentioned, William doesn't seem the type that will really take that lying down. So I'd be interested in keeping Pedro, but I think his he's obviously not a starting 11 quality player for a club of Chelsea's level and ambitions. But uh, so, yeah, that's about that. And obviously, you know, if people are still skeptical or knocking Sancho or whatever because they want to have their contrarian pants on, just stop. The kid is amazing. You know, every <laughs> team is every team is lusting after him for a reason. He is the real deal. And he's still I don't even think he's 20 yet. So Jaden and oh, and I mean obviously for the Americans listening it would be it would suck if he replaced Pulisic in the team at, at oh, two different clubs. Oh, but you know, we could always play them on different flanks and all that. <laughs> San- Sancho, go after San- Sancho or bust. Twenty years here. Yeah, well, Sancho. I mean, thing, I mean <laughs> yeah, having having bust? Sancho and Hudson Odoi and Pulisic in one team, that's that's pretty that's pretty FIFA football manager type stuff there. Formation, four wings. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we have already now spoken a bit about William, and before we go on to another very interesting topic or maybe the center forward position we're just going to take a quick break welcome back to we ain't got no podcast and after a very engaging debate no doubt on william we are about to talk about um our striker situation basically with some rumors of an extension for Olivier Giroud and obviously for Tammy Abraham as well so we're probably looking into heading into the new season with those two strikers at least. But do we need a third option is the question. And if this season 
is anything to go by, then we, we, I mean, we we may just need another one because Giroud is obviously not getting any younger. Although his attributes themselves probably will not deteriorate as much with his age. So it will be good to have him around, but then the big elephant in the room for this entire season, uh, to some, uh, uh, the others are rather unabashed while discussing him, is uh, Michi Batshuayi. And that there's, there's no denying that his uh, performances this season have been subpar, to say the least. But if there were a situation, as some rumors have suggested, where Batshuayi ends up going to West Ham, which would be his third middling club in three years, uh, would Chelsea be able to do a swap deal with them for Sebastian Aller? And would this be especially viable given the current uh, financial climate in football where perhaps lesser money is going to be thrown about after clubs have relatively weakened spending capacity. So, yeah, uh, open the floor to it, I guess. I mean, I, personally, I, I, would, I, would, I would welcome it because I think Pachuay just, just needs a change of scenery now. He's, he's, he's been here and it's just, just not working for him under too many managers. He's been out on loan. He's, he's come back now and he's had enough opportunities and not really be, been able to stamp his authority and clearly outshone by Olivier Giroud um, as, of, as of late. But yeah, I, I think if Chelsea had the chance to do the steal, then they probably probably should because... Why, why Haller? Why? Because he... I, I mean, for me, he's one of the better um, strikers out there in the Premier League who is at the level where you could bring him in and he could, I mean, he, he wouldn't be at the level where he's competing uh, for a starting place with, I mean, as as compared to if you had someone like uh, Timo Werner from Leipzig, if, if you had Werner and Abraham competing for one starting place, it would eventually become very difficult to keep hold of one of them probably within, probably within like just a season. So if we do something similar to what Tottenham did with Harry Kane, which is not turning out to be very smart right now, but it goes to show that if you have someone like Tammy Abraham, who is quite young and showing signs that he could develop into an elite-level talent, then it's important that you have a supporting cast, which I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say is too good, because that sounds kind of sketchy, but... <laughs> Uh, if if you have a supporting cast that is able at such a level that they can step in during a loss of form or injury on Tammy's behest and perform to a good level, I think I think a club should do that sort of deal. And in that sense, I think Sebastian Aller among among the current Premier League forwards who are outside of the top six and not named Calvert Lewin uh, is probably the mm-hmm. best. Uh, second choice option because I think he offers somewhere of a mix between what Batshuayi and Shiru bring to the table in terms of skill sets and his underlying numbers, start, sorry to get a little um, geekish on that, is I mean I've been observing all season that his uh, his, uh, his expected goals in terms of uh, short quality um, I mean, his shooting volume hasn't been very large this season because West Ham have been quite bad. And 
but then the shots that he is taking, they've been of a very high quality, so to speak, or, or so the expected goals say anyway. And that's that's encouraging because his it's it's not as if his goal scoring form completely fell off a cliff when he moved from Eintracht Frankfurt to West Ham. I think it's more of a case that he moved from a very functional, well-drilled, good team to West Ham. And if he were to come back to Chelsea and play in the in a similar kind of environment, I think he could easily. Um, I, th- I think he could easily replicate and then add a lot more to what someone like Dembaba or Loic Remy brought to the table as a, as a second choice striker option. I mean, I, I think he'd be a lot better than either of them in the first place. So. In terms of that, yeah, sure. I mean, in an ideal world, obviously, we sign someone like um, Werner to to play play to fight it out with Tami for that position. But then, I just I just don't think that's sustainable. And and if they're looking to tie down Abraham to a big contract with a big wage, then the logical step, or at least in my opinion, is to bring in someone like Aller or someone of of that kind of level who can push Abraham, but then probably won't throw a throw a hissy fit to leave if. He remains second choice beyond one and a half seasons or two seasons. So, yeah. Would you would you be in favor of your boy Callum Wilson? He's, <laughs> uh, no, I, he's no. He's he's kind of yeah. the similar similar situation. He is. You know? He is. Uh, I, and when I, he I takes good shots. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I agree, but the, the the problem with him is 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 his uh, checkered injury past his injury uh, history. Basically, he's he's just had one too many for him to be a reliable move at this point of his career. I think Bournemouth is probably just the best place for him now. So <laughs> he said unbiasedly. <laughs> yeah, he streaks twenty-eight. To be fair, he's just he's just turned twenty-eight, and that's uh, not not ideal. I mean, if if he's already had like two cruciate injuries, uh, I, I, it's not it's not a gamble I'd be taking at the moment. Mm. So yeah, I think there's one thing that we have to take into consideration here because in the past uh, one could always read it swap deals they don't really happen that much not often at least but given the current global situation it is a possibility that clubs might come to the conclusion hey we don't have to spend money that way maybe or not a lot at least uh, maybe we do want to aim for more swap deals uh, Chelsea has a, despite um, decreasing the number of its loan army still has quite a few options there that they could use as tokens uh, to get targets which would be needed to strengthen the squad depth or the squad in general but just also the depth and Halea would probably not be our first choice but he gives us something different Tammy Abraham should be of course with his stature this kind of uh, striker that is strong holds up the ball and he can play off to uh, off of, but he has had the tendency to try and run in the uh, in the channels. And Halal would maybe be more this Chiru esque kind of player. What I have seen from him, but he, that doesn't mean that he's limited. He's still very quick. Um, I don't think we actually have much to lose here if we would come to a swap deal with West Ham because what really very productive deal? Yeah, because what. Do we have with Mishibash Why it's only going downward. It's it's on the downward spiral. The trend isn't good for us from Chelsea perspective. I mean, David, wouldn't it be 
in this case, the best scenario that we could hope for, because Haller, the the resale value will probably be quite a bit higher than than with Michi Bashwai, who over several seasons and loan destinations have had has had little to no impact at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, the ideal scenario would be to bring somebody in who is of potential starter quality. That's for sure. I, I'm not 100% convinced Haller would be that. Uh, from what I've seen him this year, he's struggled quite a bit. But again, you know, you have to you have to account for West Ham being West Ham. So maybe that's not necessarily fair. Obviously, he was very good with Frankfurt, but so was Jovic. And he's struggled even worse or even more at Madrid. So maybe... Maybe it's the opposite situation where they are both really good in a certain system and they need to be in, in a certain system and play. So, you know, considering that, maybe it's not necessarily the ideal situation. What ha- what does make it ideal is it does get get rid of Michi, which unfortunately is something that needs to happen. Uh, you know, he's a lovable, lovely person, but not really a consistent performer on the pitch. So... Yeah, he needs to go, and if you can get somebody uh, in return for him as a swap instead of whatever X amount of transfer fee, which would be nowhere near the forty million we paid, uh, you know that's fine. I think there's probably considering I've seen very little uh, in the in reporting about Haller, uh, and obviously that that doesn't necessarily mean that this can't happen, but generally you do you do hear some rumblings of potential targets and potential signings so in that that sense you know Dembele from Lyon or uh, even the the kid from Lil Osimhen or whatever his name was I'd like Osimhen no. did you see the rumor Osimhen. that some club bid 85 million euros for him I, I highly <laughs> doubt that because insane. he's not that good <laughs> he's but, not, no. <laughs> he, he know, would though, be nice though sorry tradition yeah th- those types of players I think where you you buy, you know, obviously it's the similar risk with Haller where they're performing well in a, in a different team and you try to translate that into your team. But yeah, definitely the ideal situation is you want a backup who can come in and perform consistently and at near the same level. You know, Giroud has done well in the few games that he did finally get after January. But I mean, you know, there's a, a the ceiling's pretty low with him at this point so going into a season with him as a backup and then somebody of his level is not necessarily something i would like i'd like if, if Giroud stays he needs to be like the third forward at this point uh, i mean he will probably be no more at any other top club you know even lazio You'd expect he wouldn't be the first choice, or they wouldn't be purchasing. Oh, yeah. him. He knows he won't be first choice, but he's definitely will have expectations of playing time. And the only reason he did finally get playing time here is because everybody else got injured or just was playing so yeah. badly that not even Lampard could justify it anymore. Mm. Well, I mean, it did kind of give us something different playing off. He because one of the things that Olivier Giroud just excels at, and which is always such a pleasure to watch, is muscling out defenders no matter who it doesn't matter who he goes up against even the top top center backs he will always give you this chance to uh, win that and play off of and you can get a chance out of that and we have yeah but that's not how that's not how lampard sets it up 
That's no. one of the reasons, big reasons why he didn't play Giroud at all. And when he was finally forced into it, you know, he did talk about having to change certain things and having the team readjust to that. So, I mean, we think it's a good idea to have somebody like Giroud, but Lampard doesn't necessarily seem to think that. So, Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Fair point. Um, question is, of course, if, let's say, Giroud were to leave and we then have uh, Bashwai come, uh, go out for Sebastian Halea, would then another striker come in? I mean, we have Tammy Abraham. We have, then, for example, Sebastian Halea. I know this is kind of uh, a dead horse, uh, but since the days where we were linked to Sergio Aguero, that's Mm. the kind of striker that I've always craved for. And you don't find them too often, even though small, strong, really fast. I I just think that that's the kind of striker we would need right now um, at Chelsea for this system to... Lautaro Martinez. I would, yeah, Lautaro. There's a nice dream for you. I'd assume, I'd assume we'd uh, promote somebody from the academy. You know, you, you sign, Armando you sign Broja. a backup. Yeah, you sign a backup and you promote Broja or Andrin or whoever mm. is next in line. There's plenty of plenty of possibilities. You bring somebody back from alone. You know, who knows? Convert Loftus Cheek to a striker. Oh God. Okay, Antonio. Possibilities are <laughs> endless. Uh, yeah. yeah. About yeah. the striker situation, mm. if I break in. Of uh, speaking of Giroud, I think he's a fallback insurance option. You know, there's that clause that Chelsea, I think they confirmed they were going to exercise. I'm not sure. But I think Yeah, Giroud... I wasn't sure about that clause. That came out of nowhere. And nobody's if... said anything about it since. So I am not really trusting that one, but. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, th- I think it'll be on the table whether it's already in writing or not that if Chelsea can't bring in um, another strike, an outside striker, that he'll stick around, you know, due to, you know, the pandemic or fin- and financials subsequently or something like that. But so for me, I'm not sure how likely it is that Giroud's back. Uh, I think Mishy will be moved on and as soon as possible. And I think, you know, Mishy's story is a bit. And Williams, to an extent, how he's made it this long at Chelsea. I think the board or whoever's in control, Marina, they tend to hold on to players until they get the maximum amount of money, which makes sense from a business perspective, but isn't always the best way to go about building your squad. You tend to hold on to the deadwood longer. And, you know, Chelsea have been a lot more, I guess, I don't know, financially responsible, however you want to say it, in their transfer dealings. They don't really bring someone in until the the ones already leave sometimes that you know that that ruins continuity for example bakayoko and matic selling matic and expecting a banged up bakayoko to just you know throwing him to the wolves you know mm-hmm. what i mean i wish that chelsea would get their replacements in before you know said players leave but that you know feeds into what i was originally talking about um so but with Giroud, as I'm sure has been touched on, he'll he's going to want to play. It's a similar situation to what this season was supposed to be before the pandemic. He wants to play. He wants to be in the squad for the Euros. So if the Euros are held next summer and we get back to football anytime soon, he's going to be one. He's going to want to be playing regularly uh, to get his last shot in the national team. But for me, and you know, Lamps was skeptical of him 
like I said, I think he's just an insurance in case we can't get, I don't know, Timo Werner was a name on many people's lips. I feel like it'll be interesting to see how he would deploy him. I have a feeling he wouldn't uh, use him as outright striker. He could maybe have him play off of Tammy in a similar way that Nicholas Anelka did for years as kind of a you know wide forward winger striker hybrid. Um, but there are other names I'm interested in. You mentioned Dembele. I also like for a, a backup rotational option, maybe someone like Raul Jimenez from Wolves, oh, although it'll, it'll be tough. Raul. Yeah, it'll be tough with how well Wolves are doing. You know, if they're Again, he's up. also quite old. <laughs> it it, it kind of I mean, escapes you. Yeah, His age escapes you. It'll be in that that kind of like the the backup replacement bracket if, right. you know, moves like Werner or uh, another player I'm interested in, uh, Pease actually mentioned him, is Luka Jovic. Uh, if we could do maybe a similar scenario with Kovacic, um, yeah, loan would be nice. Loan him, loan him to buy. You know that could be a, a a prudent way to play the market for Chelsea to get a really good player in at a not so high price. You know the rumors now are that he's going to be given a second second chance at Madrid. Whenever football mm-hmm. back, we'll see. You know they're known to change their tune at the drop of a hat. So he's one to yeah. keep an eye on for me. I, as I, a, I'd co-sign a Jovic loan. That would be great. Yeah. I like that's the type, and we we started this segment talking about Aller from uh, West Ham, a player I had liked at Frankfurt, but stylistically, I, I'm looking for more, and I think Lamps is as well, a more well-rounded striker in that Dembele, Jovic, uh, Timo Werner role. Um, you know, he wants to be, or seems to want to be flexible in his approach and have as many options as any coach would. So I feel like those type of players, provided they're not, overly expensive are more what I'd like to see and I think Lamps as well. Hmm. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I'm not sure about Luka Jovic, I have to say. I, I think it's unfair to just judge him about this not-so-successful stint at Real Madrid because there's so many examples of players that haven't succeeded in uh, in Madrid, but went on to be fantastic players. I mean, Iron Robin was already uh, a great player at Chelsea before, but um, you really saw how much he flourished in at Bayern Munich. Luka Jovic was fantastic at Frankfurt, but that was his first real season where you say, okay, he really got those good numbers that he'd won. It's the same with, because you've mentioned him before, Calvert-Lewin, uh, uh, Ram, of course, he's very young. and I'm sorry. He's always been class. I will not hear him. <laughs> well, goal-scoring-wise, yeah, that's I not can, the case. He always played well against Chelsea, but that's not necessarily saying much. Yeah. Well, I have been telling you hyped. for years and years. Oh, yeah. People have been hyped over Moise Keane. I was telling people last summer that Calvert-Lewin needs his shot. and he's Yes. Well. <laughs> well, you know, with those kind of things, it's become Straight more from the championship, yeah, okay. by the way. Um, yeah, yeah, but still... <laughs> Yeah, you can't uh, you can't deny that numbers wise, this is the first season where he's actually scoring enough that you'd say, okay, we might contemplate signing him. Because I'm sorry, but last year in 35 Premier League games, six goals is just not the kind of striker that we need right now. It doesn't matter. We need we need we need yes, but we but at the moment we need a striker that can take the weight off Tammy Abraham's uh, shoulders because. Let's face it, he was all 
the all the responsibility for scoring goals as a centre forward were put on his shoulders, and that's not fair. Yeah, uh, you're right. And at the moment, we need someone who can guide him there as well who can learn off of and Olivier Giroud is great and all but of course he's never going to be the kind of guy that will score 15 plus goals a season so if I mean if really our hero sees Luka Jovic as that striker then fine but if I'm not if I'm not mistaken then Frankfurt always played with a two striker system and that's where he excelled and at Real Madrid that hasn't been the case and he struggled so I see that as a reason why he has been struggling, probably one of many, um, but still. So we're not going to play with two strikers up front. That doesn't seem as if that's Frank Lampard's intention. So uh, I'm sceptical about whether or not Luka Jovic would be the right choice. And as I frankly said with Calvert-Lewin, it's just the numbers that... I'm no, I'm no, I'm no expert with stats. Uh, you're, you're the expert here. He's Graham doing Hamm. amazingly on underlying numbers. One of the best that, in the league. Uh, yeah, and he has always played in the Premier League. So, okay, that makes sense uh, that he yes. has developed that. Still, I think a uh, more finished product is needed right now. Um, I'm not saying that Sebastian Haller is that. But, you know, I don't know. I, my my favourite for quite a while now has been Moussa Dembele. Uh, of Lyon because no matter where he's gone he's always scored you know very very well two figures always in uh, double figures uh, not two figures sorry double Depends figures on whether you can count playing for Celtic but yeah well you know then again Virgil van Dijk played for Celtic and look where he play, he's playing now so yeah it's a bit mess, yeah. it, it's it's <laughs> It's the kind of thing where you say he really has been scoring really well, especially for Lyon, who's been struggling this season. They really have. And he's still managed to score that tally of goals. And, you know, in 224 games, 111 goals and 43 assists. Well, I think that's pretty decent. So in that respect, um, he would probably also cost less than most options that we've had. Uh, so if we could maybe even get Mishibashu as part of a deal with him, I think that would be very, a very smart move. I but wonder yeah. how much Leon are going to be hurt by the whole TV money situation. In They're going to be very Ligue hurt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That no, could... no Champions League either. It, yeah, exactly. No Champions League. And they messed up for the first time in who knows how many years. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a situation to definitely keep in, keep an eye on. I guess. I mean, I I read, I I think I read an article today that said that the French government may be um, paying them out, paying them out at the moment. But yeah, if if uh, if if the situation remains as it is right now, then Moussa Dembélé could be available for much cheaper than what he was being touted for like two months ago. So that would be yeah. good. He he'd actually be the ideal second choice striker so to speak not not so expensive that you, know, you could be facing some cost in just one season's time but then just as good that he'd always be keeping Tammy Abraham on his toes yeah that would be the ideal one I guess mm. the, the way Man City pulled uh, Gabriel Jesus out of a hat I'd love it if he I'd love it if he could do that because mm. they just they just brought like the the perfect backup substitute striker to Aguero. They just got that move so right that it's, it's not even funny. That was one of the most... Well, I, I hate the word, but one of the most underrated transfers in the last few years of the Premier League. But yeah, no. 
we can probably talk about the next rumor now. Well, the thing is, um, of course, we have quite a few rumors in the midfield position. I mean, we have Milinkovic, Savage, who just came up recently, uh, if not yesterday or today. Uh, the Declan Rice rumors. <laughs> Again. Uh, yeah, well, we're, we're <laughs> yeah, um, that's the thing. I I think that what's really also very much interesting here is whether or not Ram, uh, Ram, Ram sorry, Lamps <laughs> uh, <laughs> believes that we need someone in that position. Cause Are you not going to talk about to... Chelsea being in for Max Bird of Derby County? Have you not seen that rumor? Anyway, moving on. Uh, so, N'Golo <laughs> Kante has been... <laughs> sorry for... Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, may, maybe later. N'Golo um, Kante has been one where people have suddenly said on social media, maybe we should sell him. Frank Lampard has just now said, yeah, that's, that's, that he's one of the most important parts of our squad. He's had just had a lot of bad luck this season. Is it realistic to think that we really will be getting someone in when in the current uh, financial market you think we won't be spending tons of money? This this war chest are pretty much something that will have evaporated because of the current situation. So areas of need, really important. Same with the goalkeeper. Do we really need someone for big cash coming in? Same in the midfield because I think we're stacked. What what do you guys think? Milinkovic, Savage, being gone a bit quiet with him recently at Lazio he never has fulfilled that huge potential that people were um, talking about a few years back absolutely huge and Declan Rice the lost son um, I'm sure Mason Mount would love to have a say about that but I think Declan Rice is one of those that is the last that we need right now Um, I mean it depends probably whether or not Jorginho comes in but to to start off with our two guests, midfield reinforcements, yes or no, and maybe uh-huh. yeah, it's it's not it's not a priority at least to me right now. There are other areas of the pitch that need to be shored up, i.e., left back, winger, maybe center back, striker. Um, so from that standpoint, maybe even goalkeeper, goalkeeper for some people, depending on your view of Keppa, but. Uh, midfield right now, it's you said it's stacked. It's stacked in terms of bodies, but not necessarily maybe in quality or tactical fit. I feel like Kovacic is one of the few undoubteds in the midfield because he's so well-rounded. I think he'll fit a majority of systems, and uh, he'll have a place in almost any squad because of his versatility. But, you know, depending on... And it also depends on where Hakim Ziyech is going to play, um, whether... Lamp sees him as more of a 10 and is going to use a pivot, or if he wants him on the right wing, going to play 4-3-3. I feel like Lamps isn't wedded to just one system or just one formation, so I feel like the the tactical versatility of players like Kovacic is a boon for him. So it's, it's kind of hard to project at this point about specific midfield targets and, you know, who needs replacing. There's still so much up in the air, but... Um, I slightly disagree that it's that we're stacked in the midfield. There's a lot of kind of not spare parts, but necessarily you know maybe some square pegs for round holes or very specific players. Like Jorginho is a very specific player. You know he's uh, he's played different roles in his career, but since Sari came into his life, he's been a mostly Regista, although under 
Lamps, he, he's done well with Kovacic. I feel like the overall structure of the team needs to be there for him to be successful so he's not overrun in midfield. But um, So it, it'll depend on you know who wants to leave. Say if Jorginho would rather go join Sarri at Juventus, then we'll need a a replacement if, you know, someone like Barkley, I feel like could be improved upon. And also we have Loftus-Cheek coming back from injury who will, for me, slots right in as long as he's fit enough and, you know, is has the um, stamina to last because his talent is immense. He has the talent to be one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. I have no doubt about it. It's just his ability to stay on the pitch. Uh damn friendlies in the u.s before cup final right mm-hmm. um so from that standpoint the midfield is kind of the least of my worries at this it, point in time but it is stacked mate because uh, i'm not saying that that's a good thing but it is stacked we've got too many bodies right in, in there right now to say we so. need another one coming in yeah well stacked doesn't imply that it's, it's you know stacked with the quality talent that's physically irreplaceable but yeah mm-hmm. i mean i think I think as far as if you list the order of priorities of the squad, uh, midfield, central midfield is at or very near the bottom just because of not only the numbers involved, but we do have a ton of talent. You know, even if even if you ignore the Barclays and the and the Jorginho, you know, specific type of player, we have the Kovacic's, the if Kante's, if he can uh, recover his uh, his health. Presumably, he's still good to go for a few more seasons, even if he's not at the peak of his powers anymore. We have people, young people like Gilmore coming up. You know, it's yeah. just, there's so much. Mount is versatile enough to play anywhere, really. Maybe not deep midfield, but certainly central or attacking. Ziyech can do the same thing. You know, it's there's there's plenty of uh, plenty of talent and plenty of numbers in there to make. Make rumors think like the the Milinkovic Savage situation. You know that's it's just standard standard talk. When you know the rule of thumb, I was told this a long time ago. What that rule of thumb is when a rumor lists three three teams or more, it's just somebody fishing for some action, some agent being bored. There's no no actual nothing actual. It's no actual substance behind such rumors. And just somebody putting uh, Milinkovic Savic out there as a name, you know, it's just just looking for some action. Maybe now now they're saying he's going to sign a contract extension with Lazio. I mean, that's that's pretty much your standard transfer rumor move is to float the name while he's in negotiations with his current team, and then lo and behold, here's his contract extension. So I mean, that's that's pretty standard. I don't I wouldn't think there's any chance of us spending nine figures on Milinkovic Savic. Uh, he's obviously a tremendous player, but we have somebody like Loftus Cheek who is very similar or can be very similar, maybe not nearly as powerful in s- some aspects, but you know, it's he is just just as a unique combination of skill and strength and size and all that than 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 Savage. So I wouldn't really worry about that. Declan Rice. It would be would be a fun transfer just because of the whole prodigal son connections to Chelsea thing. But you know, if if spending a hundred million on Milinkovic Savage is a bad idea, spending X amount on Declan Rice, regardless of uh, you know forty fifty million, would be probably even worse. So, sorry, Declan. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it will be also interesting to see how that group dynamic would evolve because with Deck and Rice coming back. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for creating a, a Chelsea core, you know, homegrown player power. That's fine. It's, you know, player power is, is bad because uh, media says it's bad, but there's a reason Chelsea were the best team for 15 years in terms of winning trophies. It's because we had a group of players who would accept little other than winning trophies and they would do everything in their power, including maybe go against the manager. So, I mean, if we want to create a winning core like that, that's fine. Whether that's Declan Rice is a potential part of that, I'm not too sure. Um, that said, I think the squad does need a more defensive specialist midfielder. Um, you know, if, if, if Kante can come back and, and be as good as he once was, you know, he could fill that role, I suppose. But he, even in, at the height of his powers, he was not really that um, defensive holding, single lone holder midfielder. And if we play a 4-3-3, we need somebody like that. And we can't have Jorginho playing there again for another season because that's, that's just going to create more defensive chaos. Yep, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, I am never going to be comfortable with... Jorginho screening my defense in a 4-3-3, <laughs> never ever. And a uh, good point you made about Kante, because when he won the title with Leicester, he was obviously playing in a two with Danny Drinkwater, and Drinkwater was, was the playing one playing in a two was... at Chelsea, too. And, yeah, and... yeah, that's right. It's always, um, it's always been a, a two-man midfield where he's been the best. So. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, if, if, if it were up to me, I would probably send Jorginho back to he who knows him best in Maurizio Sarri at Juventus, as I mean, as has been the whispers around the rumor, rumor mill uh, lately. So I mean, I I would probably send Jorginho back there, and if we probably had um, a vacancy, so to speak, in that DM position, then maybe Declan Rice could be in consideration. Uh, obviously, there's the whole emergence of Billy Gilmore to factor in as well. The the weird thing is Billy Gilmore is the way he is um, physically, which is not too far off Jorginho. And I'm not sure how much he's going to fill in now. He's he's not exactly 16 or anything. But uh, <laughs> he's all of 18, man. People, yeah. When you... Um, I mean, yeah, I, he. It's, I know, it's I know, like, you're not very old, but uh, yeah, <laughs> people, the people don't stop growing at 18, you know. I know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure he. He, he still he has, probably... he still has plenty of time to put on height and muscle and size. Okay, fair enough. That's fair what enough. they told me too, PC. Okay, that's what they told me too. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not, I'm actually not really sure Gilmore needs that because the kid's feisty enough that it exactly, doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't need to be a, a size of Milinkovic Savage to put in yeah. a tackle. So. I agree. I agree. He's, yeah, he yeah. seems uh, tenacious yeah, enough. He's, he's, a, he's a throwback for sure. Yeah. So in Lampard's words, a throwback. And I'm surprised yeah, you haven't we, mentioned old uh, Connor Gallagher yet. I, I, I was just about to come to that. Oh, okay. So, oh, sorry, sorry. That, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, I played Barkley with him yesterday. You got <laughs> to stay on brand. Come on now. Connor Gallagher is, I think he is probably going back to the championship next season, <gasps> to, to be honest, because we just have too many players playing in that position at the moment, unless we also happen to sell Ross Barkley, which I suspect we won't for at least another season. I, I think that 
if Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes back, which he will, hopefully, uh, then the the box-to-box slots are basically filled up by him, Kovacic, Mount, and uh, Barkley. So you, you have like four midfield players right there, and then there's Kante as well, who can occupy that role. So Barkley already becomes sort of dead wood if, if Ruben Loftus-Cheek is back fit again. So in terms of having a box-to-box midfielder, I think Conor Gallagher is kind of surplus at the moment, although he is a very good player. It's been amazing to watch him develop at both his clubs this season. Um, and I, I think that he he's not really someone who can play as a more holding deeper midfielder, so that role isn't for him. So I, I'd prefer that he continues his development on loan for another season, then we can see where we're at after that. But if if we do need to sign a midfielder anywhere, it's probably in that DM position or, or someone who can play that DM position if Jorginho goes. I mean, all, all depends on what kind of setup Lampard wants to play, really. But then if, if it is a third, mm. if it is a three-man midfield, then, and if you're letting... I mean, what I'd do is let Jorginho go and get someone who's better at actually screening um, the defense than being a regista at heart. So... Uh, res- rescue and Dombele from uh, Spurs... I would love for William. <laughs> that that's actually a really genius move. <laughs> uh, I hope they're thinking of that because Dombele Declan just, Rice. He, sorry, doesn't sorry, Declan Rice fit that uh that description? He does, yeah, just, he definitely does. But then Dombele is just he's. I I have a weakness for midfielders like him who are just oh, <laughs> really good at everything. So I do too. I really liked him. You know, Nabi Keita. Uh, but I really yeah. liked Ndombele. He was at Lyon, but he has yeah. fitness issues and motivational issues. It seems he like does. I don't know if he... I just yeah, yeah. he needs yeah. the right yeah. environment, which we can provide yeah. with him. <laughs> but, but Ideally, you'd like to think so, but uh, yeah. that would be my my concern with him. Obviously, and the price, yeah, it for would sure. Probably be exorbitant. for Ndombele, Bachuai oh, for Salah, yeah, swapsies, yeah, swapsies. trade was... trade season, trade season, yeah taking a leaf out of U.S. sports book, I guess. So, yeah, that's uh, that's as much as can be said about midfielders, I suppose. Uh, we will take a short break now and um, join you very shortly. Okay, and we are back. Um, before we move on to the last topic of this podcast, there has been, of course, this huge debate about, and I've been saying huge debate a lot this today, but it's just... <laughs> The case, you know, people yeah, don't have else football to, do. to watch. Exactly, got nothing else to do. You, you, you debate. Uh, there's healthy debate. There's Twitter debate, um, and then you have left back debate, which has been also very controversial uh, on the blog. Um, some have been saying Alex Tellus is the solution. Some are skeptical. Some are hazmat. So hazmat, <laughs> what, what do you, what do you? make of this because we've had a few last time on uh, with um, Andre and uh, Brian who gave their opinions on the left back situation and we'd be very much interested to hear if you agree uh, or if you have another opinion maybe Ian Matson. What, what, what do you think Alex tell us uh, uh, yeah, so, so I definitely hmm. think that we need to bring in a good left back i feel like alonzo or and or emerson aren't long for the club and it's you know it's it's time it's been time for a quality left back I've, we've missed one for so long 
not that Alonzo and Emerson haven't had their moments, but they're obviously not consistent for different reasons. So I do really like Alex Tellis. He is my primary like choice at this moment. It's kind of him. And if, if that falls through, you know, we can assess the other options. I feel like Chilwell will be a bit, he's a bit too expensive. He's not worth the money it'll take to get him though. I think he's, He's a decent player. He strikes me as similar to Alonzo a bit. He's a bit more mobile, but he does he's not the quickest. He does have trouble when he's uh when he's defending a bit. Really good going forward. Well, decent going forward. I think Tellus is better. Tellus is more the the mold of left back I'd like to see come in. And he's he he can be had for a reasonable price if you know it I'd be really disappointed if if uh you Chelsea move quickly. Yeah, exactly. By PSG for a low fee, what are they like thirty million euro? Even it's less, less um, even that. Yeah, he's he's definitely the first choice, and I, I realize there's some skepticism of him, especially defensively. But so much of defending now is, I mean, it, it has been this way, but even uh, especially now is systematic. You know, especially the way Lamps wants to play, have everyone press, be organized, similar to how Ajax. You know, do it. Uh, speaking of Ajax, Taliafico is another option, though I'm not as interested in him as I am Telus. I think Telus is who we should go after. It's you can't really. It's dangerous to say one player is a solution um, because there's just so much, so many factors that are involved. But he is the quality of player I'd like to see, and his price is not um, is shouldn't be a problem. It's you know Chelsea acting quickly and convincing him. Though, Jimmy, I was interested in your thoughts on one David Alaba because <laughs> his contract, he only has one more year left on his contract. He's, I wouldn't say he's close to leaving Bayern, but he is as close as he has ever been, if that makes sense. Well, so, and I you had mentioned it, it seems like a year and a half ago or s- somewhere around there that he had already been declining a bit. So, I was wondering about uh, you your ask thoughts. Jimmy about Alaba. <laughs> no, I have to. You I have, have just to. pressed a button. The people want to know. The people want to know. Well, uh, David Alaba, for me, um, living in Austria, of course, David Alaba is the footballer. Uh, There's no doubt about it. He is the most famous. He's the most uh, accomplished at this moment in time. Not overall, um, but just at this moment he is. And yeah, Happel, of course, is the big one. But uh, that's a long time ago now. But um, the thing is, David Alaba has been playing more as a centre-back this season for Bayern Munich, but that was more because of injuries. They've, they've really had a wretched time in that regard. Uh, he played, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he did play against Chelsea and he played reasonably well. Um, I think that's why I have in, in if I, that I remember that correctly. But generally speaking... Um, he is not the super talent that he was handled as um, back in 2012, 2013. Especially you're going to have to hand in your uh, Austrian uh, residence <laughs> permit if anybody uh, hears this. Well, the thing is, I'm not alone in that sentiment. With that sentiment, because in as an in the national team, he doesn't want to play left back. Uh, under Marcel Koller, he was always constantly pushing the play further forward in a central role, central midfield, sometimes even more offensively. And it just never really worked. I mean, he had scored quite a few crucial goals in that one uh, 
group stage for the Euros 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the one against Ireland is one of the most memorable. But the thing is, he is just not that good in that position. As a left back, he is a good player. There's no doubt about that. I'm not going to take that away from him. But people have been lauding as this world-class player and super talented. He can do anything. To, that's not the case anymore. He's not as sharp anymore. He played his best years when playing with Frank Rivery in front of him. They just had an understanding that was fantastic, you know, brilliant for him and brilliant for the club. Um, but if Chelsea were to decide to get him in, fine. But I'm pretty sure, given his history, that he'd need some time to adjust. Oliver's the kind of guy that he likes to stay where he feels at home. That's why I'm still very, very skeptical that he will actually um, leave Bayern because he he said so in an interview in January where he squashed the Chelsea rumours. You know, it's all about Bayern right now. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. I'm cautiously it's optimistic. It's easy to say Bayern you haven't it. Excuse me? Sorry, Jimmy. Sorry, no? I was going to say it's easy to say when you haven't signed a contract yet. You know, and when it's still in season. Of course, but the thing is, um, he's never really said he needs to go somewhere. He did say maybe he'll play somewhere abroad, but he's never been specific that he wants to play, you know, in this country or that country. Like other players have said, oh, I always wanted to play in Spain. That's never been the case. He just feels very much at home in, in, in Munich. And uh, he's said as much to the Austrian media that he can he could imagine actually finishing his career in Munich. Um, so I'm very, very, uh, I think it's very, very doubtful that he will, um, make the move anyway. But as a player, I honestly think that for the price that he'd cost us, um, even with only one year on his contract left, because Bayern Munich is not easy to, <laughs> to negotiate with. They're not Napoli level, but they're still, Firmly in that top bracket of being a pain um, to 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 make a deal with, so I think it would cost a lot of cash. Chelsea won't splash that kind of cash. Uh, he'd be much much uh, more expensive than Tellers, despite one year uh, contract. And I don't think he's worth that. He's not a world class. He's a top class left back, but he always wants to play somewhere else, further forwards. Um, I think we, we, we should look elsewhere, if I'm completely honest. Um, still in a good age, he's in his prime now, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think it'd be the best idea for Chelsea to go after uh, David Alaba. And I, I'm not going to get into stats because that's not my forte, but um, if you talk, look around Bayern Munich fan forums and uh, speak with, of course, lots of Bayern fans here in Austria, um, they tend to agree that he isn't the Alaba that the world got to know in that 2013 campaign where, of course, anyone who hadn't known him up until then, they definitely knew him then because he was impeccable back then. But injuries and dips in form have just made him into the play he is now where you'd say he is on the top level, but he's not world-class, not, not even close. So, yeah, if we want to get this top-class left back, I think okay but it'd be too pricey but um 
he's not world class. So that that's my those are my thoughts on David Alaband. Personally, I, I'm just annoyed that he always tries to play further forward for the Austrian national team because I am an admirer and I like I, you know I watch the Austrian national team more than the England one, especially during group phase because it's actually exciting to watch. You don't know what you'll get while England always cruises through and then disappoints in the final stages. So um, yeah, it, it just it's been a thorn in the eye of many Austrian fans that David Alaba has been very complicated when it comes to that in, in, in the national team. So yeah, bit, bit longer than I wanted to talk about him, but that's pretty much my thoughts. Ah, I'm sorry. (laughs) And now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. (laughs) And that will be Newcastle because we are a Chelsea podcast, but Newcastle will be taken over, it seems, by, I'm not quite sure, Saudi Arabia, it feels like. But yes. they will have a huge, huge amount of cash to burn in the summers. Now, there have been rumors with William and Pedro maybe even joining them. Lots of other names flying around. What does this mean for Chelsea, lads? Well, it's been kind of crowded in that top four positions for a while now anyway and now we have another contender who will probably be the most financially sound club even more so than the likes of Man City who have been splashing the cash for years now what what does what does this mean for Chelsea what what can we expect uh, maybe starting with you David it'll be fascinating if nothing else I'm not particularly worried so to speak but, um, you know, obviously, obviously they have a chance to do what Chelsea did in 2003 when Abramovich came in and basically overhauled the club overnight. And uh, with, well, UF, uh, Europe relaxing FFP for next season, obviously Newcastle are not in the European conversation at the moment, so it doesn't really matter. But there are FFP rules for the Premier League as well. So we'll see if... If it is, what what's fascinating to me is, will it be possible to do another Chelsea, another Manchester City in 2020, basically? Because obviously that's what they're trying to do. But we've seen it with other teams where rich owners have come in, and it's not necessarily as easy as as just buying up the best players. You know, it's you have to have the best coaches too. And we, we did well with, obviously, with Mourinho coming in because that was the perfect perfect man for the perfect moment um so yeah that's 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 all i i can really think of is is just would be interesting to see what they do given the initial spate of rumors that with players getting linked to them i don't think we have much to worry about in terms of newcastle being an immediate top six contender uh you know being linked to william or pedro or edison cavani is not exactly going to have the rest of the league quaking in their boots. You know, maybe they would have been five, six years ago when we wanted Cavani. But now it's it's more like they're they're buying up the, the veterans who are not wanted at other big teams anymore. So we'll see, we'll see if any of those rumors will be true. Uh, they would have to convince players to go to Newcastle, which not to disparage a city I've never been to, but it's what not... What did, to be fair. I mean... I'm pretty sure Man City bought Patrick Vieira 
Yeah, and, and it still took them and still took them several years to get yeah, to they, where yeah. Chelsea were because they didn't have the right coaching and staff in place. Now, obviously, they yeah, learned from that, and they decided to build for the long term, and now they're reaping the rewards of that. But you know, just just because Newcastle would have new rich owners, that's just one piece of the puzzle. Obviously, a big piece, but you still need to make the right moves, and. It's, it to me it'll be interesting to see if the environment still even allows that because obviously Chelsea were a big proponent of FFP in part because it prevents other teams from doing at Chelsea. You know, you can you no longer can just go in and spend the cash freely. You have to slowly build up. So this opportunity will possibly with somebody coming in for Newcastle and and not having to deal with FFP for at least a season could give him that window of opportunity so it's it, yeah it'll be interesting hmm. okay that's yeah, a very positive agree. spin hmm. i just wanted to ask yeah. you anyway guys but uh, that's a very positive spin on that okay <laughs> no i i agree with much of what pg said it, the the way we've seen it work is it's been a gradual process so i don't think chelsea have anything to worry about in the short term uh, future, um, especially given our current situation with the pandemic, so that puts another delay on it. Um, but yeah, as you said, you can't rush into it. You know, you think you can just buy up a bunch of big name players who are probably past their peak anyway. It doesn't really get you that far. So they'll need to build the infrastructure. They'll need to build their scouting network. You know, and start to gradually build it up, attracting high-profile coaches, coaches who are still, you know, in their prime, so to speak, with the current tactics or ahead of the current tactics. So it'll be, they won't really be a direct threat to me for a while, but they definitely have, you know, the fan base, that area is football crazy. They, you know, and I think the owners that are stepping in recognize that and will you know feed off of that they're definitely they're a big club in stature and name because of their history but they haven't obviously under mike ashley wanted to match you know their fans ambition with you know investing in the team and putting all the resources into making them competitive which i'm assuming these new owners would do and would want to do or else they wouldn't buy the club well we don't have to get into the other politics of it, but that is to say that it'll be a, a gradual process if they do it right. And if they don't, then it will be even less of a worry for Chelsea because if they rush into it, they'll probably crash and burn because they're not going to be able to just throw unlimited amounts of money due to FFP, as PZ said, unless they, you know, do some backhand channels or whatever like City has done. But eventually that'll get found out too. So. We'll see how it goes. It's definitely interesting. You know, I can, it's probably, it's, I can imagine it's a um, kind of a confusing time for Newcastle fans. You don't know, you know, who's really <laughs> going to be making the decisions or who's controlling what or where to point the finger if stuff doesn't go well uh, initially. But it's, it's definitely, you know, it's going to be, could be the devil you don't know versus the devil you did in Mike Ashley. So I think Newcastle fans will be happy to ha- be rid of him. But it remains to be seen. It'll be exciting, no doubt. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Ram. 
Ram, well, I mean, Newcastle has quite a few talented youngsters, Longstaff. M&S Longstaff. Yes. Yeah. Um, with Steve Bruce probably having to leave, uh, you'd expect that he, they said they'll give him a chance, but you wouldn't expect that to be the case. And he has, he has been giving the Longstaff brothers quite a few chances this season. Uh, yeah. I mean, they already had it. Uh, at least, which, which one, Matt? Uh, Sean. I think Sean. I think Sean is a legitimately decent player. Not, not too sure about Matt, Matty Longstaff at this point in time. But I, I think, I think Sean Longstaff could still be a pretty key component of that side with whoever's moving forward. But in terms of um, the takeover itself, I, I feel as if it's, it's a good chance for them to. Finish off what, or or pick up from where, Alan Pardew left off, when he signed that eight-year contract, <laughs> and then <laughs> fell off a cliff, um, and had amazing players on that team such as, Papis Cisse, Dembaba, Colicini, Santon, Hatem Ben Arfa, Jonas Gutierrez, and James Birch, but yeah, that that was uh, that that's kind of. That was kind of a mini version of what I expect Newcastle to morph into now if they suddenly get a lot of this money. And trips to St. James's Park will become a lot more annoying, um, non-physics-defying goals notwithstanding, of course. But, yeah, I, I feel as if Wolves are an excellent example to any group that is taking over a club with a traditionally large-ish fan base, a good stadium. and uh, If you look at the way Wolves have progressed since Foson took over from them, obviously they did. They, they performed incredible gymnastics, such as bringing Ruben Neves to the championship. But the point is that if Newcastle can find value in deals and make smart purchase. I mean, I mean, look, Wolves is a club that know what they want. They know how they want to play. They hired the perfect manager for it and they are making all of their signings accordingly. Whoever they bring in, the, uh, whether it's Jota or um, Jimenez, Den Donker, every single one of their signings has been on point, except maybe Bruno Jordao. So, if, if Newcastle follow that direction, I think they can rise very quickly because they already have so much of the well, not exactly infrastructure, but then they, they have a lot of that in place, like uh, a, a massive following. I mean, a, a, they had a good level of resources already uh, and facilities and everything. That They're already a very well-established Premier League club. It's just a question of uh, them actually being smart about the way they're running uh, their football operations. So if they, if they, I mean, they do well to take a leaf or a Wolves book and Make, make some good signings like that, not the ones that have been, uh, or not the names that have been flogged around in the newspapers um, recently, such as Felipe Coutinho. Although I wish they'd bring him there because then they'd finally stop linking him to Chelsea. That would be good. So, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 think, I think Newcastle has the potential to go very far. If, they, if they're actually smart the same way Wolves did, I wouldn't be surprised seeing them challenging for like a fifth, sixth placed finish in maybe two years or one and a half years. I mean, it depends. I'd, pro- I'd probably give them two years before they start 
before they reach that territory of being like a potential Leicester or something. But by potential Leicester, I mean the Leicester this season, not the Leicester of Claudio Ranieri. So, yeah, that, that, there's just there's just, there's so much that smart people running that club could do with it. It's 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 crazy, especially when you have a live example in front of you. The, the, every every signing doesn't have to be stupid, crazy. I mean, stupid, expensive, and someone who would have been a good signing like four years ago. So. Uh, for their own sakes and for their fans' sakes, I, I hope that their decision makers are thinking along the same vein. But yeah, St. James Park uh, more annoying than usual for sure. Oh yeah, uh, we we always had a great time up north. Uh, I was just watching the video of the match where Papis Cisse scored that goal, and it was just it was insane. I, I, I was he he scored two goals that day, and after his first goal, he was celebrating, and then. I was watching all the names running up to him and they were celebrating. Um, ba, Ben Arfa, Gutierrez and Colicini. I was like, damn, that was a half-decent squad. And then I saw James Birch and then I was like, maybe not. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. No, I, I digress. A, they had a few iconic names there over the years, that's for yeah, sure. They, they did, yeah. That, that wasn't a bad squad at all. I mean, when they, when they brought Gouffron and Sissoko... They immediately joined the club and told us a new one in the next game. So, I'll they, tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually they are a tradition club. You know, they they have a lot of tradition there. So if it's got to be some club in the Premier League, then might as well be Newcastle. I'm not in the least bit yeah, fond so, of yeah. them, but yeah, better than you know some kind of hipster new club like Bournemouth. So in that respect, I think that's a good, uh-huh. a good tradition. <laughs> and Goal, the movie finally gets some validation for. It. <laughs> Worst movie ever. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we have been speaking now for quite a while, over uh, one and a half hours now. On my part, it's been a blast, I really do have to say. Um, I had a lot of fun here. It was a very productive discussion today, I I believe, as well. We've gone through a lot of topics. Um, Unfortunately, we'll have to come to an end soon. Uh, David has. It's been great having you on. Uh, that you come yeah. back as well. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming me. back. Of course, appreciate it. Thank you. And we appreciate that you've come back in these difficult times. You know, despite <laughs> having a lot of time on one's hands, probably every one of us. But still, it's it's great to hear and see that the community's still up and going and ready to talk football. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice that without sports, there's still some people coming to the site and talking about things. You know, I mean, it's as weird as it might be sometimes to to worry or talk about football. You know, at some point, there's only so much pandemic uh, news one can handle. So it's, yeah. it's good to have it's good to have a little distraction every once in a while. I mean, we're craving those post-match reaction threads. That's for sure. Yeah. At this point, it's going to be. If, if and when you do return to football, you know, whether it's next month or next year or whenever, you know, it's going to be a good time. Yes, sir. And with that, we're going to say goodbye for the day Ram from Ram and me. Um, we will be probably back in the next few weeks. Uh, it, of course, depends on how the situation develops maybe we'll do it immediately next week we do apologize that we haven't been able to 
uh, record on a weekly basis in recent times. Um, but I think given the circumstances, everyone will understand that it's been a bit tricky. Nevertheless, it's been great talking today and we'll see you very soon or hear you very soon. And having said that, that's all from us. Stay safe, people. And don't forget, keep the blue flag flying high.